Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 96. We're discussing the BMW PGA Championship on the European Tour and the Sarnesson Farms Championship on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System and with me we have Golf Betting System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Morning, Paul. Morning, Steve. Sun's shining. Wentworth this week. It's all good, isn't it? I don't see any. I don't see any chance of rain before the tournament or during even. No, no, it looks absolutely looks uh, set, doesn't it? Set fair, so yeah, all good. I saw Billy Horshaw flying in from Florida wearing his uh, shorts yesterday on a Monday practice, so it can't be that cold. No, it might be a bit nippy in the mornings for some of these uh, um, American types, but uh, but yeah, after after it starts to warm up, then uh, all good. GolfBettingSystem.co.uk is the website. Naturally, we're available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Paul is at Golf Betting. Follow him for all of your European tour requirements. I'm at Bamford Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Now, the podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Audioboom, Buzzsprout, YouTube. And now on Google Podcasts. Now, we're asking for two simple things from you guys. Please take time to rev- uh, to rate and review us on iTunes. This is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. Secondly, if you are in the growing band of YouTube listeners, please subscribe and like the show. As ever for those who of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. We have one, Paul. Okay, good. This is from at under under fantasy par, who is in the United States of America. Under fantasy par, thank you very much for your uh, time and trouble. Great podcast, five stars. Always a great job each week of covering all your golf betting questions. Just a wealth of knowledge and insight. So thank you for that. That's uh, much appreciated. Very nice. Thank you. Let's have some more listeners. Would be absolutely fantastic. I'll be reading them out at the start of next week's show. I don't think you can undervalue the, the actual... And I say this on the Golf Betting Show every week. Um, on YouTube, the amount of likes, the amount of subscribers, the amount of followers, and the these uh, ratings and reviews, iTunes in that instance, they 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 undoubtedly take those comments and board and those ratings, and that does help the visibility of the podcast. That's that's mm. just undoubted. Very useful, it, yeah. It's something that we uh, we're very pleased to see. Right, last week I'm going to make mine short and sweet. Mm. I had a chance last week with Sanjay Im, Mark Leishman and um, Yoking Neiman and um, I went back to my old ways of looking for the perfect stats and Neiman didn't feel them yep. and uh, he just bit me on the arse big time and uh, that one hurt. I tell you, I've had a few that have hurt recently. Uh, Thomas winning, that hurt. Um, Patrick Reed winning at the... Um, Northern Trust should have had yeah. that one, and now Neiman. That's three, pretty much on the trot. That you sit there and you go, "Why did you not pick that person?" Yeah, gettable. Aren't they? This, gettable. You, you you make make decisions, don't you? When you you're sitting here and working it all through on a Monday, and um... well, the other thing is though, Paul. You know, I'm a I'm a Vander kid. Um, I've I've been one of his greatest supporters, and that's what hurts even more. I think. Yeah, but you know. That just shows you season-long stats and statistics. That, you know he was, he was, he was. We just—it was obvious he was playing well, and he was playing on bent grass on a on a on a golf course. He he actually said it feels like his home club in Chile. Mm. And he just destroyed them. I thought at some stage enough pressure would go on him to test his metal, but he just kept pulling away. Yeah. And in the end, he just destroyed them, didn't he? Didn't even need to look over his shoulder in the end. I think I think the turning point was that par five. Was it the twelfth? Mm. He had a nine footer, and Walrinski was three feet. Yeah. So put it this way: if you know, if Neiman misses that putt, Walrinski birdies. He's one behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what happens? Neiman nails it, and Walrinski misses from three feet. It's as good as over. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, you got your traditional two shot swing, haven't you? And away you go. But yeah, he never looked over his shoulder after. Well, he didn't need to really on Sunday, full stop, did he? Shame about Song Jae-im, who you were on, I know, he was uh, he was in a position to at least do something, or at least get you an each-wave spot coming into Sunday, but um, kind of just collapsed again on the front nine, didn't he? Which a, you always seem to get around with him that is bad. Mm. And um, I thought it might be the Friday, you know, where he went a couple of bogeys around the turn and he, he pulled it back to three under. Yeah. I thought that might be the bad one, but um, it, it, it was then bogey and double bogey City on uh, on Sunday, which actually yeah. he's been actually playing well on Sundays. But again, I, a lot of this is mental, isn't it? A lot of this yeah, is mental, and, and players have to go through these develop. Well, some players need to go through these development curves mentally to to get their head around what it feels like when they're under the actual under the under the severe pressure on the back nine. Under the cost, yeah, it's, he win. He, you know he's good enough and capable. I mean, he's priced as second favourite this week. He's, uh, he's a shorter price generally than the likes of uh, Branch Schneider. Well, we said it was a putting contest last week, and yeah. he top strokes game putting and putting average. <laughs> it was just a shame about his scrambling game and the rest yeah. of it. Yeah, too many mistakes. But uh, time I mean, all, it was it was quite an enjoyable tournament. I think we were pretty much on the lines. Putting contests. Uh, I said twenty under odd would win. And he shot twenty one. We were there or thereabouts. It was just I've got to I've got to start selecting the right bloody right right players on these shortlists. Mm. We'll get there. What about yeah. Sergio then? Yeah, yeah. Paul Casey the week before and Sergio coming through. Both of these players, and you look at the. Odds for these players at the start of the week, and you what know, price was he 16s? 16s, yeah. And you, you know that they're well capable of winning in that kind of uh, that kind of level against that kind of field. And it's just difficult to pull the trigger on those kind of players at that kind of price because they don't, don't tend to win that frequently. Um, he's coming there with, with well, new track for all of them, so there's no cause for him. I mean, I just swerved the top of the market full stop, but um. I, I don't think you could have given me a few goes of that. I wouldn't have been putting Sergio up at sixteen to one. So, you know, it's almost a case of let him let him win that. Um, Can you explain yeah. to me why Sergio plays the KLM Open then doesn't bother turning up at Wentworth? It's odd one, isn't it? He, he doesn't every. He, he never plays Wentworth, does he? No, well, he clearly doesn't get on with the track. There's a few people in the past who've uh, who have said that, you know openly said that they don't like the track. Um, Wentworth, and you know, with the recent changes, you're starting to see some players coming and creeping back into the into the fields. But yeah, certainly no Sergio as yet. Um, you know, and you'd have thought, from, you know, a tee to green test would mm. would be right up his alley. But it's clearly not uh, not found its way back onto his schedule as yet. Maybe in the future, we shall see. But yeah, I had a couple of chances. I got outside chances of a place going into into Sunday with. With Paddy Harrington and uh, Ashley Chester's, in fact, Chester's was the one who really should have should have made the frame um, from an each way perspective. Um, both of them finished a couple of shots outside the places in the end, but Chester's was standing on the uh, the par four eleventh, which was the the short par four that everyone was making birdie on, um, and uh, he ended up making bogey on that hole, which you know, and that's effectively a two shot swing, and uh, you know, the rest of history from there really is. Um, Frustrating as always when you you get someone who you could reward a decent each way price and not quite to get there, but uh, you know onwards we go. I'm sure we can dig out some uh, some results between now and the end of the season to uh, to fill the coffers back up a little bit. Now let's let's just go for a a short tour of where we're at in terms of the BMW PJ Championship. Always used to be the marquee event on the European Tour, mm. the biggest event. But throughout um, the noughties, and especially in recent times, with its close proximity to both um, the Players' Championship in May, and you know it was never a million miles away from the US Open. No, no. You saw that the quality of the field and and the desperation of the European Tour, including Keith Pelley, to get their best assets to Wentworth was becoming more and more feverish. And the Mm. field, though, was just weakening. I mean, McElroy has been a great supporter of the tournament. 
Yeah, Ro- he has, yeah. I can remember Rose dipping in, and, and he's been dipping out because he's been playing Colonial on the same yeah. week in May. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, of course, the PGA Tour were desperate to get their season closed before college football started in the United States. So they chopped a lot out of the schedule. They moved their PGA Championship to May. Um, and that clearly left an option for the European Tour to say, hey, let's actually move this to September. And anyone that lives in the UK, as we do, knows that September tends to be the best month for weather of of the summer. If you, I know it's becoming late autumn, but you see where I'm heading. Um, yeah, it tends to be dry, doesn't it? It tends to be dry, it tends to be warm, it tends to be sunny. So, yeah. um, And that move, to actually now move the BMW PGA to September, it is clearly paid benefits. I mean, I'll just run through the field here, the top of the mar- betting market. Uh, McElroy Rahm, we've never seen Rahm at Wentworth, I don't think. No, no. no. Casey, he's an irregular visitor. Mm-hmm. Rose, Stenson, Fleetwood, We've got the uh, three American Raiders in the form of Tony Finau, which is great to see. Billy Horschel and Patrick Reed, who's having this extended European tour uh, vacation, if you like. Yeah. Then you've got Wallace, Fitzpatrick, Frankie Molinari, last year's winner. Shane Lowry, the Open champion. Even, even Victor Hovland's come across yeah, to play this. A previous winner, Noren. Wiesberger, who's been on fire, Eric Van Ruen, Thomas Peters, Hatton, Cabrera Bayo, no, Poulter, Danny Willett. It just goes on and on and on. Um, even Andrew Putnam's coming across from America. You know, it's just a quality, quality field. We've got the likes of Pepperell at 100 to 1, Brandon Grace at 100 to 1, Russell Knox at 125, you know, Affy Barnrat at 140s. It's, it is a deep field. It's not a major. Um, it's probably not even a FedEx Cup type depth of event, but it's very, very strong for the European Tour. And um, I know that us two and Barry, who's coming over from Dublin today to to watch the, to get to Wentworth, you know, we're we're excited about it. So it's a it's it's harking back to when this was the marquee event of the European yeah. Tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, with the with the advent of the the Rolex series, it's uh, you know there were some bigger. Um, yielding events in terms of uh, in terms of prize money, as you know, and uh, you know they, they, they kind of want these Rolex series events to be to be what it's described as a series rather than just one marquee event and then a kind of a selection of other European tour events that flank alongside it. But uh, but yeah, it's great. I mean, the, the stat that got me was twenty of the world's top fifty are here, which for this event is particularly strong. Um, and that's for sure. Yeah, and this switch from May to September, you know, it's it's opened up doors for other options, isn't it? And the the Ryder Cup qualification starts this week. Um, it ends uh, this event next year, so it full it fills this full kind of twelve month period, and it adds adds another level of uh, gravitas to the to the event. It's going to add a bit more spice to it. It's certainly going to focus a few minds, I think as uh, everyone's vying to get their campaign off to a uh, off to a flying start with with captain Patrick Harrington um, in attendance too keeping in a keeping a close eye on what happens this week so For a full rolling year mm. top and tailed by a huge yielding points event at the BMW that's interesting yeah. i mean that's clearly going to be just a matter of weeks before the actual rider cup itself yeah, it is. It's also going to put massive emphasis on the um, event next year because that will be particularly if the you know if the places are still um, up for grabs or the final final few places, which they you know for the, the the last one it went right down the down to the wire. But when you when you're playing with you know small events um, with small prize funds, smaller uh, race to buy points as you get closer to the uh, final qualification for this, then you know, clearly it's not as impactful as having a big event like this. So I, I can see the logic, and this switch to uh, switch to September has enabled them to make that decision. I think that's a, a cracking way to attack it. So it's certainly, uh, certainly dragged a few of the big boys over, which is good to see. Do you see a slight changing of the guard in terms of this 12 months of qualifying for the Ryder Cup? You know, you, you'd, you'd, you'd have to think that 
Wallace is going to qualify for the team. He's going to be massively focused, isn't he? Fitzpatrick. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's going to be a lot of players who will really fancy their chances. Thomas Peters is back on the on the radar. He is, yeah, yeah. He's mm. playing well again, Peters, isn't he? He's and don't forget, they're playing whistling straights with his seven thousand six hundred yard mm. drag strip. So someone like Peters would be ideal for the test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems to suit his game. And then you've got the likes of Ian Poulter, you've got the likes of Eddie Pepperell, who are going to be, again, massively focused to try and try and get one of those spots. Yeah, the, the, the places at the top of the uh, top of the tree are probably fairly set. You'd be surprised if the likes of McElroy and Rose don't don't get there. You'd be surprised if the likes of John Ryan don't make it, Tommy Fleetwood. But uh, you know, there are a lot of good players who are going to be vying for those automatic spots um, and if not trying to uh, convince Paddy that they, uh, they they should get one of his picks Till Hatton I mean there's lots, lots of players down there who you know are well within the capability of uh, working their way onto this team Paul Casey not mentioned Paul Casey you know he won a couple of weeks back there is depth there is depth in the European team that's undoubted mm. And we've got this new talent coming through, which uh, which will be interesting. I mean, the Americans are in the same boat. You know, do you put Mickelson in? Do you keep putting Tiger Woods in? Or do you actually put some of this young, fresh talent into, yeah. into the team? You know, Stenson must feel a little bit under pressure this time around with all of this young talent coming because he hasn't yeah, had the yeah, best yeah. of 18 months, almost two years. No. no. Now, rolling it back to the BMW this week, the PGA, what are the keys to the door? In terms of success here at the West Course, what? Because I know we were talking about it at the cricket last week, and and you you said something to me that took me by surprise. You know, clearly um, it's a tight golf course. Um, it's a par seventy two, and you look at it, it's seven thousand two hundred eighty four yards. And in normal golf in parlance, you think that is very very over. You know, you can just overpower that. You can defeat that. But it's mm. a claust- it's you know for for people that have walked the course many times it's it's a claustrophobic affair isn't it Wentworth? Yeah, it is. It's it's, it's tree lined. It's a classical setup. Um, clearly, they've made some changes to it, and over the years, the the, the Harry Colt originals had some tweaks and changes. Ernie Els made some changes back in two thousand and six, which didn't go down particularly well. Um, sorry, two thousand and nine that was. And um, well, yeah, over the them, didn't they? they did, yeah, and that's you know we talked about players boycotting the event, and I think a lot of those decisions were, were yeah. made on the back of the dislike for the way that the course had been, um, you know, almost tripped up in places. You got it. Um, some other changes he made back in 2016 to the most recent set have effectively softened the course out a little bit. They took some bunkers away. They flattened out some of the greens. They've opened a lot of the greens up to make them more accessible from the um, from the fairway and along the ground, effectively. So it's a slightly different test, and um, it's certainly gone down um, in far more positive with the players who played it over the last year or two, in terms of playability and yeah, not just not being tricked up. But yeah, as you say, um, at seven two eight four for a tree line par seventy two, it does demand a certain level of tee to green. Um, accuracy, particularly when the wind blows. We've been there when it's been um, breezier, and the club selection around the, the, the when the, when the wind's blowing around the top of the trees can be particularly tough. Yeah. When it's not blowing, and we saw with Benny Ann uh, in the year that he played when it was soft and it was pretty calm, it's scoreable. You can still still make a score out there. Um. I think the, the thing for me is you can look at the spec of this track and you can say, right, tight tree line, claustrophobic, as you said, um, you need to be absolutely on your game from tee to green. But when you dig into the stats, yes, you've got to be good. You've got to be accurate. You've got to hit a lot of greens regulation. But equally, you've got to be focused on bogey avoidance. You've got to be focused on scrambling, getting up and down on and around these greens. And if you look at the stats from the last few years, um, the likes of Benny Ann, he topped um, scrambling on the week. Uh, Alex Norham, when he, when he won, we were on board a couple of years back. Um, he was four for scrambling. Last year, Francesco Molinari, he scrambled 89.5% on the week. He made mm. two bogeys on the week. So I don't, I'm not saying this isn't a tee to green test because it is a tee to green test. I'm saying you need to have 
that in your lockup, but you also need to be scrambling, getting the ball up and down, minimising bogeys. It's a proper all-round test for me. And um, I don't think any facet of your game can be can be lacking, really. Mm. And I don't think you can go there as a pure tea to green merchant with no or little other game and expect to, to com- compete and contend. I think you need more to your game than that. And that's why we've seen the likes of um, Alex Noren win. Um, where, you know, Alex Noren is, is not the best from tee to green, but he's competent. If he can have a decent tee to green game or tee to green week and then he's, you know, on fire on the greens, he's, he's getting the ball up and down, then he can... Uh, then he can get himself into a winning position. I know it was a, a yeah. bit of an odd event in the way it actually panned out because he just flew through the field, didn't he, on the Sunday? Oh, it was crazy, incredible round. But it was it, it's 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 also being comfortable on in on northern European grasses and northern European conditions, and that's something that Noren is absolutely prevalent with, isn't he? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know, particularly if you look back through the history of the players who've done well here, then even say, te- like, even temperature. Because don't yeah. forget, a lot of these players are American based now. They, you know, they're, they're living in Florida at you know twenty eight, thirty degrees day in day out. They're coming over here. It's September. It's twenty two degrees. It's cold, and a lot of a lot of guys don't like that. Yeah. Or if you're Dubai based or Monaco based, wherever you are. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's just... being used to those golfing conditions and the way the ball works, isn't it? Yeah, I'd certainly. I think you know, looking at players' form on and around the British Isles has got to be um, a key aspect of this. And those players that are comfortable in, in these kind of surroundings and these kind of conditions, mm. and the grass on the greens have been relayed with, uh, with with pure bank grass. So we remember back before the most recent set of work from Els back in twenty sixteen, the greens were getting um, more and more power based, and they were. They just they just weren't good. They weren't good quality. They've been completely relayed. They put a sub air system in as well to to enable them to control the course much better than they have done in the past. And uh, you know overall the condition of the course, the condition of the course this this year, given where we are and the dry weather that we've had in the lead up to this, it's um, it should be absolutely fantastic. The course should be really should be pristine. But yeah, for me, in a nutshell, I think it's got to be um, an all-round test. You need to be absolutely on fire with the par fives. The par fives are absolutely critical to this. The top six last year were combined 56 under par on the par fives, which is a big, big number. Um, The par threes, you need to be on or under par, and then you need to just hang on with the par fours. The par fours are the trickiest part of the course. So um, being able to manage your way around the par fours and, and basically just making pars, make your par on the par fours, pick the odd birdie up on the par threes and um, attack the par fives. It's got to be the way to to take this track on this week. Um, let's just go back through some previous winners to give us an idea of the, um, the winning... Uh, prices or the winner's prices because it does vary from year to year go back to 2010 simon khan won a massive 200 to one and anyone who's betting on that event back in the day i remember that khan wasn't even in the field until um quite late in the day i think it was tuesday he got a sponsor's invite so he wasn't even quoted by a lot of the bookies uh, particularly when people were writing their previews and making their early decisions which uh um, was rather frustrating back in the day. And so, you know, uh, 200 to 1 in 2010. 2011, Luke Donald won um, his first of two consecutive events of 15 to 2 the year after he won 8 to 1. Um, Manasero won in 2013 at 66 to 1. Where's Matteo Manasero gone nowadays? Mm. Absolutely nowhere, is he? No. Um, Rory McIlroy won his BMW PGA Championship 2014 at 14 to 1. Benny Ann at 100 to 1 on course debut in 2015. Then Chris Wood at 66 is Alex Norman at 20 to 1. Francesco Bolinari last year was 22 to 1, despite having excellent course form in the lead up to it. He just hadn't been playing um, particularly well. He hadn't been massively contending before winning here, but. After that, he went off. He won in the States, didn't he? And then he uh, won the Open Championship. So clearly was rounding into some fantastic form at this point. Well, sorry, at May, at the May point last year. 
before going on and winning his um, first BMW PGA. And this is the kind of player you'd look at and go, well, you know, he's, he's, all, he's clearly going to be suited to, to the likes of Wentworth if he can produce a decent week on and around the greens. And as I said a second ago, just dropped two shots over the course of the four days and scrambled nigh on 90%. He's, uh, he's going to get the job done when you're as accurate from tee to green as someone like Francesco Molinari. Um, things to note this week then I guess weather, we've kind of alluded to it already but it has been dry over here um, for the last few weeks um, the conditions for the event itself look fantastic, particularly Thursday, Friday, Saturday dry and sunny um, very little wind mm. temperatures up to low 70s maybe, 71, 72 um, I mean looking at how the grass is I'm, I'm what 50 miles or so away from, from Wentworth um, the grass is bone dry out here. It's yeah. um, we've, we've not had rain here for uh, I think about three weeks or so. So no. um, I'm expecting it to be relatively firm. Clearly, they can control the the course with their sub air system. So I, I wouldn't expect the the greens to be. You know, I, I don't think they'll be massively receptive. But equally, I don't think they'll make them absolutely bone dry. I think they'll make them. Um, sensible would probably be the be, be the the answer to that, but I'm expecting the fairways to be pretty firm. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it should it should play. Um. It should play particularly well. There's there's, there's nothing really in the forecast until Sunday afternoon, and then coming down the stretch, similar to how it panned out the year that Norham won, it looks like it's going to cloud over on Sunday afternoon, and then there's a bit of rain coming in. So. Um, interesting for you for your in play bets on Sunday if, um, if if there's plenty to play for towards the top of the market and someone can get a uh, absolute flying rounding on Sunday morning and uh, and sit back while the uh, conditions start to deteriorate. But keep a close close eye on the on the forecast because we're talking Tuesday morning here and uh, five days away it could be um, it could be all changed by the time we get there. But yeah, I, for me, as, as I said, hit, hit some fairways, hit some greens, scramble well, all-round test, attack those par fives, make, some, make the odd birdie on the par threes and, uh, and hang on for the par fours. What it's did, be um, the way... you, you said to me that you were going to look very closely at scrambling. Is there, is there a list of players that were very strong in that regard that kind of swayed you in some of your decisions in terms of the scrambling side? Well, I think when you work through the the, the way that scra- the way that we look at scrambling here is we, we work on a rolling basis um, over the last few months, so we can get a view as to how players are particularly performing on and around the greens. And and the player that topped my current scrambling stats is one of my top two selections this week. Um, I'll start with him because it probably makes sense to follow him th- follow through on that. Um, although he's not headlined in my preview. Um, sitting at the top of my scrambling stats right now is Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah. Now, Fleetwood, when you think Tommy Fleetwood, you think tee to green excellence, you think a player that's clearly got a lot about him in terms of his his ability and his, uh, his game. Um, but um, it doesn't jump to the front of mind that Tommy Fleetwood is an excellent scrambler. Um, yet... Over the last few events, the last five events in particular, um, since he became since he was runner up at the Open Championship, he's not been outside the top fifteen in terms of scrambling for each of his last five events. It's clearly, he's been focusing on it. Clearly, he's been working on it in the background. And if you've got a player who's as competent as Tommy Fleetwood from tee to green, who's suddenly finding that he can get the ball up and down, um, we know from a mid range putting perspective, when Tommy's playing well, he can putt. I think he's one of you know he's a, he's a good putter from mid range, um, but if you're complementing that from uh, with with a decent scrambling game as well, then you know you've got to look out. He's going to be you know he's going to be winning all sorts of tournaments. I think these are his US stats, Paul. Fourth mm. for sand save, first for scrambling on the PGA Tour last year, second for scrambling from the rough. Top fifteen strokes gained around the green. Mad. Well, Mad, it's, it's elite, elite world class, and you you indeed. think of him as a pure ball striker, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I know the the stats that we use again for the for the predictor model. Um, yeah, he's top. The, 
that we use, yeah, you know, that I use and you use to to work through our selections each week, um, combines the European tour and the PGA tour. So he's sitting across that as well. So clearly, from a European perspective as well, he's been there. He's been repeating that, exactly that same feat. So yeah, short games working very very nice with Tommy. Um, I mean, and again, uh, this this is an event when you look at it on spec that I'd expect Tommy to win at some point in his career. Um, sixth here in 2015 and that year he was second for total drive and first for ball striking so from tee to green he's clearly got got his head around it and he's, he's talked in interviews he's talked a number of times about how much he likes the track um for me it, one year it'll just click and i think if you look through his stats historically the one thing that's been missing from each of his performances and again he finished 20th last year again a decent ball striking um week Every time he's turned up here, the one thing that he hasn't been able to do is get the ball up and down. His scrambling hasn't been good enough to get himself really in the position where he could win the tournament. Yet right now, as you said, for the whole of the last season on the PGA Tour and certainly rolling across both of the tours over the last few months, his scrambling has been absolutely top-notch. So um, puts it all together this week. I think he's got a very, very good chance of winning this golf tournament. No, no win this year, but you know we've seen him. He's been knocking on the doors, and he's second to Port Rush, as we said. And if you got talking about his um, his form on and around the uh, the British Isles, there or thereabouts, two runner up finishes at Dunhill Links. He won the Johnny Walker back in the day. Three top tens in the British Masters as well. Um, he's quite comfortable in this part of the world, as you'd expect. And uh, yeah, I think his game suits in all aspects this week so mm. I could see no reason to uh, to oppose him at 22 to 1 even though you've got players who are higher ranked above him in the in the market you, you know you from a bookmaking perspective you're clearly going to be short pricing but um, I think Tommy's right for this two say. of his two of his four European tour victories are well of course open to France and also the Johnny Walker up at Glen Eagle so that, right, he, yeah. he's got that northern European victory or victories that you'd be looking for as well. Yeah, I, I like Fleetwood a lot, actually. I think Fitzpatrick will be the most popular punt this week, but I think Fleetwood's got a lot going for him. Hell of a lot. Yeah, I think there's a few players. I mean, clearly, you can't you can't ignore someone like uh, Matt Fitz with his uh, tee to green prowess. I looked heavily at uh, Henry Extension as well. I took, they're, but they're two players that I tend to get wrong. When I really think they're going to go well, um, they can both throw some absolute stinking performances in so I I struggled to, to justify backing them in the end and um, I went down the Fleetwood route I also went down the Matt Wallace route and I think this whole conversation all of the talk about the Ryder Cup is going to be something that massively motivate, motivates Matt Wallace um, for starting from now and all the way through this year coming now he would have been bitterly disappointed last time to, to miss out and so uh, Remember back, we, you know, you and I were talking about, and we 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 were championing Matt Wallace to uh, to find his way onto the team, and um, because you know we followed European Tour golf enough to to see someone who's a step above the other players or a lot of the other players that he's competing against, and his whole approach, his whole manner, his whole um, focus is, you know, he's. The, he he's going to be that kind of player who I think will be um, capable and uh, you know should be should be performing at the, at the Ryder Cup level in, in years to come. But he didn't make it last time, did he? You know he he came to that final event, um, standing in front of Thomas Bjorn, needed to win the Made in Denmark. It was just over a year ago to um, to give Bjorn a headache to to see if he would put him down as his one of his uh, one of his four captains pick. Flew through the field to final final nine, made birdie after birdie after birdie, four man playoff, um, came through that making birdie on each of the holes, um, and Thomas Bjorn decided to leave him out. And <laughs> Wallace, that would have been a real kick in the uh, kick <laughs> kick up the backside. He hadn't had that elite world um, uh, experience at that point, had he? Well, no, he's moved you, on. You, you can't say that now. You know, 2019, second in the Dubai Desert Classic, sixth in the Arnold Palmer in America, second at the British Masters, third at the PGA Championship. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden he's playing on the world stage and he's actually getting good results, isn't he? 
Yeah, he is. You know, and he's rock solid inside the the top fifty of the world now, and so the doors are all open for him. And the next step is for him to to push on and uh, you know, cement himself in uh, in the Ryder Cup team. And I think this will be a massive motivation for him this week to yeah. to get off to a flying start. Twentieth here last year after missing the cut and debut, has clearly shown some good progression. Um, he when he sparks into form though, he's um, He's a very, very strong player and he's also very capable of getting over the line. We've seen four wins from him on the on the European Tour. We saw the six wins on the Alps Tour before that. When he, when the boy gets himself into, into a winning position, he can convert. Um, not been in the best of form, but then last week, it was interesting to see. He opened with 75 in Holland. Uh, looked like he was going to miss the cut. Made 67. On the Friday to make the cut on the number, then produced a 63-68 weekend, finished third. Short game looked in great nick as well. Um, so that will clearly give him a massive amount of confidence. And I see that we knew that he was um, having uh, challenges with Dave McNeely, his, uh, his caddy. I see that he's working with um, Jonathan Smart, who was Danny Willett's caddy at the Masters. Oh, okay, I was going to ask you that. So yeah, that looks like a... Um, a uh, you know, sometimes a change is just, you know it, it just it reinvigorates doesn't it and um, clearly things weren't quite right with him and uh, McNeely so um, we'll see how this partnership works out with uh, with Smart going forward but um, yeah the way I read Wallace you've got the Ryder Cup aspect you've also got the aspect that he hasn't had that big career defining win yet has he the one that puts him on the map no I think this would be perfect for him. Yeah, and that was, I suspect, some of the criticism as to why should he be picked for the Ryder Cup team last time because the wins that he'd had were relatively small, even though they came in quick succession. They came, you know, with some some real quality and some, you know, and showed some real guile and determination, um, which I think is a, a, a fantastic asset to have. Yeah, we've seen, yeah, sometimes it can spill over, sometimes his focus and his um, approach can be a little too intense, but. Um, you know, that that's the the kind of player he is, and if that produces wins for him and produces results for him and gets him to where he wants to get in world golf, then uh, good luck to him. And um, I've won enough on Matt Wallace to uh, to comfortably support him for the events that I think he can go well on. And I think this week is another one that uh, that he should be focusing and and performing well on. So, so yeah, I'm quite happy to take two relatively short prices. Wallace was twenty eight to one with. Paddy Power eight places each way. Interesting with Paddy actually, they've gone eight each way on both events this week. Yeah. So, um, very good uh, approach from Paddy Power. Some decent prices. They were joint top price on Matt Wallace as well. So, uh, if you don't use Paddy, pop along to the site and um, there are details of all of the new customer offers on there for Paddy Power. Twenty pound um, or twenty euro risk free first bet. Clearly, right, key yeah. terms and conditions available at the Golf Betting System website. But yeah, eight places on both events. And yeah, as we stuff. know, number one across the whole of 2019 for the amount of each way places that they have provided to golf punters. Indeed. Now, I know I know that you've got three at triple digits. So do you want to go through those guys? I, I yeah, do, three, three I longer prices. I do like price. one in particular. Yeah, um, the first one is Eddie Pepperell, a hundred to one, which I thought that was a long, long price on Pepperell, and yeah. another good, you know, player who's stuck right in the middle of the the world top fifty, and a um, hundred to one seemed a little bit disrespectful to me. And I, I, I've looked at a lot of the prices this week, and you can you can pluck out some really long prices. Um, given that there's such quality at the top of the market, but someone like Eddie, I think he's he's a better player than that. He's a bit erratic, we know that with him, and um, it can sometimes and often come down to how he, how does he want to perform when he turns up for an event. But this is another one where he should should be focused. There's another one where um, there should be enough of a carrot dangling in front of him with the Ryder Cup to to focus his mind as well. And we've seen him; he's stepped up a gear, hasn't he? Over the last couple of years, he's certainly moved his game forward massively. Winning Katai, won the British Masters. Uh, sixth at Carnoustie, wasn't he? Um, third at Sawgrass earlier this year. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's he's a better player than a hundred to one in this field, I think. Um, the thing that gets me with Eddie is that when he plays in England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, he's 
um, performances seem to step up a gear. And I just went through in the preview some of his um, results in this neck of the woods. I'll read them through quickly because it really is quite impressive. Sixth here at Wentworth in 2013, fourth in Wales in 2014, second in the Irish Open 2015, fourth at the Scottish Open 2015, eighth at the Irish Open 2016, seventh at Dunhill Links in 2017, second at the Scottish Open 2018, sixth at the Open Championship in 2018, won the British Masters later that year, second when defending the British Masters earlier this year, fourth at the Hinch earlier this year for the Irish Open. Some cracking results in and around the area. Um, and again, stepping forward to this week, I, I see no reason to oppose him, really. He, he, he hasn't played massively over the last few weeks. He had that back problem, didn't he, over... Uh, three or four months ago, so his, his schedule's been relatively light. But he uh, he played at uh, Cran-Sorcier, finished 35th. His driving accuracy was good. He hit the ball well from um, from tee to green. He was looking good on the greens as well. So it's coming back to a course where he's performed uh, well enough in the past. As I said, sixth here back in 2013. Hundreds of one. I just couldn't, couldn't ignore it, I must say. It was um, a price I had to take. Then two longer prices to finish. Um, Guido Migliozzi, who I backed a few weeks ago in Germany, he finished in the tie for seventh. So again, with the extended each way places, we got a full each way payout out of that, which was nice. And he's a player that clearly is still sitting under the radar um, in terms of the bookies. He was 100 to 1 that week. He's 200 to 1 this week to win this golf tournament. It's his debut. I know that um, debutants um, are going to be at some disadvantage, although we did see Benny Am win back in 2015 on his debut, so it clearly can be done. But this boy's a winner. Three Alps Tour wins, two European Tour wins already this year. He won in Kenya, which was on another classical tree line test earlier this year, hitting greens at the Belgian knockout that he won at the Scottish Open. Um, he short game looked really good again. Um, last time out in, in Germany so I, I, again there's no justification for me to leave him off the list he's uh, he's got to go in at 200 to 1 and finally a little bit more of a speculative punt but again on a player that um, I, I backed in the past and um, I think he's got enough about him to uh, compete and contend in this kind of field and um, it's Paul Dunn at a massive 350 to 1 with Unibet and um, I is it a bit of a lack of respect at that price? Feels it to me because he's better than 350 to 1, I think. He's got a great record in the British Isles as well. He led the 2015 Open Championship after 54 holes as an amateur. It's when he really sprang to everyone's attention. Um, he topped Open Championship qualifying that year and the year before and the year after at the uh, Mark Hess course at uh, Woburn, which yeah. is another tree-lined classical test it sits alongside the Duchess course which is the one they use for the um, for the British Masters that Matt Fitz won a few years back mm -hmm. so it's slightly different it's slightly wider the, uh, the, the Mark West but even so um, aesthetically it's um, very similar in terms of the style he nearly won the Trophy SN Dur in uh, Morocco back in 2017 um, Ed Molinari won that one he uh, Birdie Eagle finding two holes to force a playoff that he then won against. Uh, uh, he went then won against uh, Dunn, but that's another one of these classical tree line tests over in Morocco. He won the British Masters at Close House. He's uh, there's, there's a lot to like about him. Twenty seventh last week in Holland. Short game looked to be back, to be back on point. And the thing with Paul Dunn, um, it's all about how he drives the ball, and clearly he can contend and compete on these tree line tests when his tee to green game is strong enough. His recovery game is fantastic. His wedge game is outstanding. His putting, his chipping, all of it works. If he's hitting just about enough greens... <laughs> if, he's hitting, if he's hitting fairways and not cart paths. Yeah, that's it. He, he, you know, he, he's not, he's not going to hit 80% of fairways, we know that. But if he's in the 50 to 60 range... Yeah. And last time out, there are last signs, week, aren't there? Yeah, last last week was his best um, driving accuracy performance since finishing fourth in Denmark earlier this year. So um, perhaps he's found a little bit of confidence with the driver, and um, that will set him in good stead for this week. I'll, I'll be, I, I want to follow Paul Dunn when we're over there on Friday and have a little look at his game and see see how he's uh, 
see how he's getting on. Hopefully, he's in a decent enough position not to be uh, not not to be cursing at him as we we're following him around on Friday. For UK-based followers, we are actually at Wentworth on Friday. There's myself, Paul, and Barry O'Hanrahan, who's of course a, a good friend of the podcast. Um, we'll tweet out some details as we walk around the course where we actually are. And if you're around and you fancy a, a beverage or a chat or a shake or a, a shake of hands or maybe even a punch with the way that our tips go, um, come, yeah, come and come and give us a uh, come and give us a nudge. I, I, I honestly think that someone of the ilk of a um, Migliazzi or a, a Dunn will... They always do. They always pop up in this as as, as well as big names. You know, it mm. just happens every year. Yeah. Pla- yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's scope. You know, we've, we've seen big price winners here, but uh, equally players can get into the mix. And I don't think it's as straightforward as just picking the players at the top of the market. You, you John Rams and you... You're Rory McIlroy isn't expecting them all to win. They're going to take up some of the each-way places. We know that, but um, I think the, the the win itself is is um, open for debate. And uh, I'm quite happy to 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 put my team a little bit further down the list, a couple of guys nearer the top, and then uh, go for three glory shots further down. What events have we got kicking on from this in terms of the European Tour? Are they when are they off to St Andrews? It's, yeah, next week. So um, is Finau good... staying over for that? Do you know? Oh, I've not seen. He oh, played it last year, didn't he? I know that for a fact. Some of these players who've come over for for this, it, it'd make a level of sense, wouldn't it, to uh, to hang about for another week? It's a long, especially when the Europe, when the PGA Tour have got events that they're not overly interested in. I mean, next week is Silverado, so you know they're missing the Sanderson's Farms and Silverado. I think a lot of them are going to start getting interested when it gets to you know places like uh, Las Vegas and going out to Japan yeah. bef- before the HSBC. I would not be surprised to see Finau staying over here for a couple. Yeah, of weeks. and I've got I've got I've just got the entry list up. So um, from the top, McElroy, Rose, Rahm, Finau, as you said, good Fleetwood, Fleetwood, Lowry, Matt Fitz, Wallace, Cabrera, Bello, Wiesberger. Lovely. Pepple Hatton, Norrin, Haltong Lee from the another uh, cracking event. 50. So yes, that looks like a decent, uh, a decent field for next week's event as well. So, well played uh, to Tony Fino. I think uh, him and Reed. I, I think they're the, you know, and even Xander's popped across a couple of times. I think it's mm. good that they're they're playing some European tour. They're trying to get some world golf experience, especially you know in what is a relatively down downturn in terms of the PGA Tour over the next month or so. Yeah, we saw, I mean, when we saw the schedule and how it was panning out at the start of the year, we, we said that it should help these uh, these kind of September October events on the European tour in terms of their attendee list, and uh, it certainly seems to have done the trick. So, uh, so yeah, all, all good, I think, over the next few weeks. Sanderson Farms Championship on the PGA Tour. Now, this used to be an alternate event. And when I say alternate, it used to run run aside the HSBC Champions event, mm. the WGC. It's now yeah. been promoted to a full PGA Tour event, so 500 FedEx Cup points, uh, 6.6 million on the table. Uh, what that's done for quality has enhanced it. There's no doubt about that. Yoking uh, Neiman, his favourite, Schnedeker plays. Sungjae Im... We've got Benny Ann, uh, the likes of Lucas Glover, Corey Connors, Brian Harmon, Cam Smith, JT Post and Vaughan Taylor, Emiliano Grio, Dylan Fritelli, Henley. So there's some decent PGA Tour um, players at the top of the, of the betting. And of course, that's now sprinkled with some of the... Um, I forgot Siwoo Kim. That's, that's sprinkled with now um, a, a very... Um, Deep look at these uh, Corn Ferry rookies and Corn Ferry uh, graduates from last year. Mm. Uh, the course itself, it's Bermuda grass. We're in Mississippi, so we're in the deep south. We're looking at champion Bermuda grass. The course is 7,421 yards in length. It's a par 72. It's got a relatively strong set of par fives. I think year in, year in, year, in, year out, it ranks in the top 10 most difficult par fives on the tour, which you wouldn't expect at a resorts course. Mm. But the par fours are very gettable. 
So, yeah. you know, potentially par four scoring average is something to look at. Or take the opposite view and say, well, actually, I want someone that can absolutely murder the par fives and get a yeah, distinct yeah. advantage here. Yeah, yeah, it could be the tree. Um, Country Club of Jackson is the course itself. Uh, we've had this renewal actually here going back to 2014 when Nick Taylor won. 16 under, 18 under, 20 under, 19 under and 21 under at a winning score. So it's a resort uh, golf course effectively, low scoring. I don't see this week being any different. I think we're looking at firm and fast fairways. There hasn't been a lot of rain in Mississippi for a chunk of time. There's no rain in the forecast. There's very little wind around and we've got temperatures where... They are not going to decrease under 30 degrees Celsius in the afternoon, so they're going to be forced to water greens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you think about it, long off the tee, firm and fast and receptive greens, it, it just shouts absolute birdie fest. Mm. You know, players going in with a lot of short irons, wedges. Yeah, get your putter nice and hot. Yeah, and that, that that's the point, isn't it? You know, at the end of the day, Strokes game putting around here um, is a key requisite for the winner. Uh, you look at the last three, they averaged uh, strokes game putting second. So Champ was second, Armour was second, Cody Gribble was first. Now, actually linking into strokes game putting, it's never that easy to, to find guys that are actually going to putt well on the week. Um, strokes game tee to green, another very close correlation. Ninth, second and ninth for the three winners, averaging out at seventh. Um, but we've seen a couple of different ways of winning here. Ryan Armour, of course, very, very short off the tee, but metronomic fairways mm. and greens. And then last year, and also Cody Gribble, belting it off the tee, um, bomb and gouge technique. And that worked admirably, of course, for Cameron Champ. Um, there's not a lot more to be said, really. I, I do think it favours um, players that grew up in the South. Um, if you look at um, Peter Malnati in 2015, he was a, a, a Missouri guy that was based in Tennessee. If you look at Cody Gribble, he was a Texan in 2016. If you look at Cameron Champ, again, someone that was based in Dallas, Texas. Um, so... Just, you know, got that southern state experience, living conditions, used to Bermuda grass. There's a little bit of zoysia in the rough this week. Mm. Um, it's just those southern state agronomy grasses that if you've got experience of, especially these pretty grainy champion ultra dwarf Bermuda greens, and you've got experience of how the grain works, that has to be a, a strong point. You look at the, the look at the actual leaderboard from last year. It was it was top with Champ, and then we yeah. had um, one of our friends of the podcast, Sam Burns, who is a Louisiana boy. He came in uh, third position behind Corey Connors. Connors is based out of um, Jupiter, Florida these days. So you can just see that Southern State influence at the top of that leaderboard. So um, it's not the I I don't. Um, it's it's a stronger tournament than we've seen in recent years, um, but I've kept it quite tight in terms of the way that I'm going with this. Um, there are two Corn Ferry graduates that I was very taken by last week. Uh, top of top of my betting um, structure for this week is Scotty Scheffler. Uh, two and a half points each way, 25 to one with Coral, seven place each way, 50 odds of God yesterday. He's been backed in this morning. But Scheffler, um, he reminds me of the players on the Corn Ferry this year. His stats and the way he plays is very, very resem uh, resembles Cameron Champ from last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Long off the tee, total driving. He was first for scoring average across the whole of the Corn Ferry this year, Scheffler. If you actually look at Champ from last year, he was second, uh, fourth for ball striking and first for all round this year, Scotty Scheffler. There ain't a lot of weakness there. Um, you look at uh, Champ, he was second for ball striking last last season and fifth for all round. And the thing with, uh, with Scheffler, from Dallas, Texas, his, his 2019 so far reads two wins, Four top fives 
and a further four top seven finishes. That's pretty mad, isn't it? Ten yeah, it's top seven finishes in 2019. Yeah. I know statistically, again, we pulled the numbers together for the predictor models earlier this uh Earlier yesterday, he was he stood out in a lot of the different aspects. So he's had an impressive year, as to be said. Both of his wins were upstate. One was in Illinois, where he shot 17, 17 under on a par on a short par seventy two, and and the other win came quite recently at the Nationwide Children's Hospital Invitation, which they play at um, Ohio State Uni. That's a seven thousand four hundred and fifty yard par seventy one. He shot yeah. twelve under to win that, but actually. You look at Scheffler, there doesn't seem to, he seems the adaptable sort. He seems the sort that could get to a, a decent senior level and PGA Tour or even world level golf. Yeah. Southern States last year, or this year rather, second in Savannah, so that's in Georgia. Fifth at the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail in Alabama, which neighbours where we are in Mississippi. Seventh at the Dormy Network Classic in Texas, and also second at the Nashville Golf Open in Tennessee, which again, um, which neighbours uh, Mississippi. I think Scheffler's got it all, really. Um, it was interesting what he said last week. He said, uh, this was after he was joint leader after Friday morning. He said, Morikara and Wolf came out and killed it this summer, and it was a lot of fun for us to watch. Definitely gives us a lot of confidence coming into this year, knowing we can, can compete pretty much immediately on the PGA Tour. And he clearly did that last week. Where he was, his his um, numbers for last week were pretty prestigious. Uh, he was get this. He actually drove the ball three hundred and thirty yards on average. So he was eighth for driving distance. He was seventh for driving accuracy. So long mm. and straight. Yeah, he topped works. green. Topped yeah, that works. Top greens in regulation was first for strokes gained tee to green, first for total driving, first for ball striking, sixth for all round. And you think to yourself, well, okay, he might be a ball striker that can't putt. But you just look at his record. So far this season, he's been first for, for putting average at, in the Savannah Golf Championship. And he's also got been seventh at the Robert Trent Jones, uh, eighth at the Nashville Golf, Golf Open, also sixth for putting at the Wichita Open. He can putt. He's got to put it all together. He, 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 I think he's going to be one of these guys that hangs around for a long time at a very senior level. I really do, mm. Scheffler. Interestingly enough, you know, we're, we're, we're used to seeing Victor Hovland at ridiculously short prices, yeah? yeah. For, for an undoubted talent, can't argue. I'm not saying that um, Hovland isn't an undoubted talent. He is, but he's one that's severely marked, yeah? He shot, uh, Scheffler shot 65-62 last week, Yeah. When the greens were nice and soft at the Greenbrier, he was paired with Victor Hovland across those two days. He beat Victor Hovland over thirty-six holes by nine shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a player. Yeah, no, he's got a lot about him. I think he's got a lot of a lot of a game. Um, if we're talking metronomic, if we're talking a guy that's got plenty to play for this week, as a lot of the internationals are, as as we said yesterday, you know, it was no surprise that Neiman sprung up. He'll get into the President's Cup off the back of that, I'm sure. You've got the likes of Siwoo Kim, who are going to be very interested this week. We've got the likes of Benny Ann. We've got the likes also of Sung J.M., who'll be trying to get into that international team. Mm. The one I've gone for is the Canadian, Corey Connors, who was second here last year. I managed to get him last night. One and a half points each way at 40-1. to one. Boyle Sports, eight places each way. So thank you to Boyle Sports for that. Eight places at 40-1. to one. I was more than happy. A couple on our Facebook group managed to grab him that William Hill first price of fifty to one, that's which, bad. which I thought was outstanding. He's for a been guy that, pro- he, that's a proper price for Corey Connors. Yeah, 50 he's to been one. properly backed in since as well. It's, he's absolutely uh, getting hammered, isn't he, Connors? Mm. I'm not seeing anything above thirty threes now, and I'm seeing him as short as twenty eights. Yeah, he looks like he's going to go for twenty eights by, by the looks of it. But Connors, you know, I'm not teaching anyone listening any new tricks here. He's just playing some fantastic golf. 27th at the WGC St. Jude at world level. 22nd at the Wyndham. 21st at Northern Trust. 7th at Medina. Qualified for the Tour Championship. Has been, you know, stating that he would love to get into Ernie L's President's Cup team. I think he played some practice rounds with Adam Scott during the FedEx Cup playoffs. And he is absolutely metronomic, this guy. 
fairways, we've got metronomic greens, but you listen to this for strokes gained. He's, he ranks in the field first for strokes gained total over the last eight weeks. He's in the top 15 for strokes gained putting, which is his bugbear. And of course, he's number one for strokes gained tee to green across the last eight weeks in this field. So mm. I just think Corey Connors is a must, must back. And as we know, finished second here last year. And actually, you look at his results. Um, he won the Valero Texas Open on Bermuda grass greens or base Bermuda grass greens. I just think he actually favours Bermuda over over Bent and uh, Florida based. I, I can kind of get my head around that. Third one, and I could not believe the price. Now, if we look at past winners of this, I know it was an alternate event and it's slightly stronger in field, but actually, Champ was 66s last year. We had Ryan Armour at 125s and Cody Gribble was 125s. Now, when I scanned down the betting yesterday afternoon and we started to get some prices, the one price that just jumped out to me straight away, it was the first guy on my list to back, was Robbie Shelton. Yeah, yeah, he was good last week, wasn't he? He was fantastic, Robbie Shelton. Now, he's actually from Birmingham, Alabama, so a neighbouring state. Some might remember him. Back in 2015, he played the Barbasol Championship on the PGA Tour as an amateur and finished third. That golf course features, by the way, champion Bermuda Grass Greens. He was the first, or he had, it, this, it was the highest finish as an amateur on the PGA Tour since Phil Mickelson in 1991. Went on to represent um, United States in Walker Cup and Palmer Cup, then turned pro. And since he turned pro, he's got four professional victories. One on the Junior Tour in Florida, one in the PGA Tour Canada, and also two this year. Uh, and it's where he's performed well that really grabbed me this year. Um, 2018, he finished uh, second in South Carolina. Then this year, 2019, on the Corn Ferry. Second in Alabama. Fourth in Texas, first in Tennessee, first in Tennessee. He was actually second on the Corn Ferry regular season points list. So that's how that's how good a season he had. Yeah, impressive. Um, fourth for birdie average and fifth for all round on this year's Corn Ferry. And you actually look at his statistics from last week. He shot eight under 62 to lead after round one. A fast start this week is essential, by the way. You've got to be up with the pace at this tournament. Um, and on top of that, you just his, his numbers for the week were he was first for strokes gained tee, uh, off the tee. Love to see that. 22nd for strokes gained approach. 14th for strokes gained tee to green. And 12th for strokes gained putting. Cannot for the life of me understand why he was chalked up 125 to 1. Cannot yeah. for the likes of me. It's another one he's been 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 backed in over the last twenty four hours or so. So clearly, it's a lot of like minded punters out there as well. Seeing a bit in uh, Robbie Shelton to give him a chance this week. A very nice price point considering what we've seen for the last three yeah. winners around here. Yeah, it's been some been some long old winners around here, definitely. Mm. So those are my three for the Sanderson Farms. Mm. So we've got a decent week of golf golf punting again, I think. We have, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm back to a couple in the signers and myself, actually. Um, Danny McCarthy, I've backed at 66s. And while Kevin Chappell was making that 59 um, last week, Danny was quietly compiling around a 61 at the same time, which um, kind of got... Yeah, it kind of got swallowed up in the in the noise with the, with Chappell's 59. But that's an impressive round. He closed with a 67-2. Um and he's putting really well. I and mean, you said you need to be going here and putting well, but he has been putting well recently. He was one point six four putts per green in regulation last week in old money. And um, won the Web.com Tour Championship last year. Um, and his best result as uh, on the PGA Tour for the for the year just completed was seventh here at the Sanderson Farms. Yeah. So I Good think plan. there was. Yeah, there was enough enough to like for me to have a, a punt on him at sixty six to one. And the other one that caught my eye was Patrick Rogers at one hundred and twenty five to one. Who's we, we know he's had a, he's had three runner up finishes on the PGA Tour. Surely he's capable of getting over the line one week. That most recent one was at the uh, RSM Classic last year, sixty one sixty two over the weekend. You remember he made made it into the playoff with uh, Charles Hell the third before 
losing to Chucky Three Sticks, um, unfortunately for for Patrick Rogers, but uh, he's, he's better than that. He used to be an absolute tea to green animal, Rogers, he did, and, yeah. and now he seems to have transformed into a short game animal because he's, he's scrambling <laughs> and putting of over recent um, times have been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he did. Oh, he putted well again last week. I mean, that's again mm. another stat that caught my eye. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he's not been good since uh, since losing that playoff to uh, Charles Howe. But you know, that's hence the price you're getting. But for like, for three rounds last week, he was good. He, he shot 68, 66, 66. He went. He was eighth going into Sunday last week and collapsed on the Sunday, which um, <laughs> which which may be a big warning sign for me. I haven't put my money on him this week, but um, I think he's. He's capable of getting into that position, I think. As we said, going back to the RSM last year, 61-62 over the weekend to put himself in the playoffs. Clearly, he can score. Yeah, he can go can score heavily. Yeah. 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 And uh, when the conditions are right and he's, he's feeling good about his game, he's, uh, he's well capable of shooting those low scores. 20th and 14th here from his two starts. He's um, ranked 2nd and 7th over those two starts for greens and regulation. 4th going into the weekend here back on his debut and again 125 to once flashed a little bit of form last week yeah i thought that was worth having a punt on i wouldn't be surprised in previous renewals when rogers has been a relatively big name in this event Mm. um he's probably been going off 14 16 to one as yeah pretty much the favorite yep yep so for that kind of price point yeah rogers um that's a decent punt i think yeah, they're the two that I fancied um, for this week. Right, thanks for your time, Paul. It's been yeah. it's been fantastic as ever. I look forward to meeting you at uh, Waterloo Station on Friday morning on our way down to the golf. Yeah, indeed. Looking forward to it. Best Thank of luck, you. guys. Yeah, best of luck to you. Best of luck to all the listeners. Thanks for listening to the Golf Betting System podcast this week. Of course, we will be back again next week for another busy week of golf punting thank you and of course if you could leave us uh, a rating and a review on itunes that would be very much appreciated thank you goodbye